Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Well, one more week and Simon's back. I'm glad you're cheering. (laughs) Simon and Kerry, as you know, have been on sabbatical and uh, they're presently in Romania. They sent me greetings this morning from Providence Baptist Church in Bucharest, where they are speaking today uh, with many of our friends. Otty is with them, uh, known to many of us. And so they're there uh, this week speaking at the Baptist Seminary and also leading Project Ruth, which is the school that the young people are going to next year. It's uh, their anniversary, so they're having a staff retreat uh, and Simon and Kerry are leading that. But just before I pile into those uh, passages, which are not the King's passages, I was like, oh my goodness, we're not speaking on Kings today, so we're all right. We're going to do Hosea. Uh, Just a few sabbatical thoughts uh, from me as we come to the end. I've noticed a few things as uh, Simon's not been here in his full-time capacity. Uh, We've also had, you know, Mark away for a couple of weeks. And I just wanted to encourage us, really, uh, before Simon and Kerry are back next week. So a few thoughts on sabbatical from me. Number one, Burlington is a family, and we have seen that again and again over the past few months. I thought back over uh, the summer, and all those who uh, came and led us over the summer, I thought that uh, about uh, the way that we together have rallied around each other, making sure that the washing up was done when Mark was away, making sure that everybody was doing all that they needed to do. Burlington is a family, and we have seen that again and again uh, through the last few months. One memorable moment for me, though, was when Simon Barrington preached uh, back at the end of September on that easy subject of shame. And at the end of the service, I stood here, as I often do, and I looked around. And around the church, there were pockets of people praying for one another. It was a beautiful sight, one that brought me to tears, actually, just to see us as family, recognizing that people needed to respond to a really hard, impactful sermon. And uh, there there were people all around the place praying for each other. A family that prays together stays together. And I saw that in action. So thank you for being family, I guess, over the last few months But the other thing that I've noticed really clearly is that uh, Burlington is very much an every family, uh, every member church, sorry. That as a family, every member has got a part to play. And I was uh, speaking at the membership course on Monday and I reminded those that were there that uh, God always says that you are an arm and a leg, an eye or or, uh, um, something, uh, an ear. He never says that you're part of the belly button or a little bit of fluff added to it. And we have seen that again and again. This last few months, loads of you have risen up to serve, whether that's here in the week, doing painting around the place, keeping the buildings going, whether that's on a Sunday. I think of uh, this morning, the number of people serving in our community. Burlington, be encouraged. Everyone has a part to play here, and everyone is rising to the challenge of playing that part, and I'm honored to be part of a family like that. It's a beautiful thing to see. There was one Sunday when uh, we had no one to do coffee. Uh, I said in the first song, who can do coffee? And I was inundated with lots of people coming to me. Let's carry that on, shall we, as we continue to walk together. 
My third encouragement, uh, as I've noticed, is that, that as Burlington, we're really keen to listen to God's voice together. And I've seen that again in action over the last few Sundays. I was really uh, amazed at the sermon we had last week from Matt. And he began by saying, God woke me in the night and I felt I had to listen. And that listening turned into obedience of him coming and preaching. Around our community, there are so many of us hearing God's voice and acting upon it. Let's keep going, shall we? Let's keep going. And my final reflection on a sabbatical. uh, I have seen Burlington's missional heartbeat so clearly over the last few months. As I thought back over the sermons that we've had on a Sunday, through the summer and through into the autumn, a lot of them have been about mission, whether that's here in Ipswich, in our own lives, or with the persecuted church, or around the world, or broader uh, missional. And Burlington's heartbeat, its missional heartbeat, is strong We've had salvations since the summer. Thank you. Somebody cheer. We've had salvations since the summer. And we're going to have some baptisms in December. Thank you. I'm excited. We've had two membership courses this term. God is on the move. And we are joining in. And we have got a missional heartbeat as a church that I don't think I've seen in the 17 years of being here before. Be encouraged, Burlington. Be encouraged. Because it's not about Simon leading us, even though it would be great to have him back. We're a family. We're listening to God. He's changing our heart. And let's keep going, shall we? What a great family to belong to. And I guess with all of that in mind, I want us to turn to our uh, passages today. I'm going to speak mostly from the Hosea one. So uh, you may well want to turn to the Hosea chapter 11, verses one to four. Have it open on your laps. It's always an honor to speak on one of your favorite Bible passages. I was quite excited when God led me to this one this week. But today is Remembrance Sunday, and so I I, I want to talk about something that is uh, something that unites humanity. I've entitled my talk, Ouch, That Hurts. Ouch, That Hurts. And I want us today to talk about pain and hurt. On Remembrance Day, some of us will remember deep pain and hurt that has been caused by uh, perhaps wars, perhaps being involved in the army or the services yourself, or knowing people who have. My grandfather, till the day he died, refused to talk about his involvement in the war with any of us. It was too traumatic for him. My grandmother tells stories of hiding in her wardrobe, wondering if they'd make it through the night as a precious four-year-old. The pain is still deep. Many of us don't carry that pain from remembering these kind of things. We were born later. But some of us have seen the impact of war, perhaps on our own families, perhaps on those that we know. But we all carry different kind of pain, don't we? A bully from the school gate the word that was spoken over to you as a teenager that you can still remember that brings pain. Some of us carry the pain of loss. Many of us carry the pain of relationships, words said, violence experienced, regret, guilt, shame from having something done to us or doing something ourselves. Many of us carry the pain of an injustice of a situation, something that we've been in, or had happened to us that is an injustice. 
Hurt and pain is sadly one of the things that unites us as humanity. It's a reality for all of us. Some of us, it's deep pain. Some of us, less so. But there is nobody in this world, because it is broken, who hasn't experienced some level of hurt and pain. Matt ended with one of these uh, Bible passages last week. I'm sorry, it seems to be squished on your screen. I don't know why. We couldn't work that out at the beginning. But it says, here on earth, you will have trials and troubles. <laughs> trials and troubles. Take heart, but you're going to have trials and troubles. Uh, I liked it in the, the message version. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. We all can relate to that, can't we? We can all relate to that. Christians, but also non-Christians. doesn't matter what country we're from, what our background is, our economic status, our educational status. None of that stops us from feeling pain and from feeling hurt. Around Suffolk presently, uh, there is a campaign going on called Who Cares? And it's encouraging churches to listen to one another within their churches, but also uh, beyond the doors of their churches, um, to the pain and hurt that's out there. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later on. But the one finding it has found immediately is that there is deep hurt, not only within our walls, but out there in our community too. And that the church have a responsibility to listen and to pray. Because as that passage reminded us in Psalm 121, where does my help come from? My help comes from the God of heaven and the God who is with us. The Bible, though, has a lot to say, doesn't it, about pain and hurt. The Bible has so many passages, and it's hardly surprising if we recognize this as one of the threads that all humanity uh, experience. And I could talk a lot about our pain and our hurt and how it happens and what the effect of that has on us, but I don't want us to do that today. I want us to think about four verses in Hosea, which are God's word of encouragement to all of us who hurt today. You say, Hosea, what a bizarre passage to choose, really, because it's so much about uh, uh, God's judgment on a broken world. But in chapter 11, we've got this beautiful picture of God's father's heart. This is God's heart to all of us who carry hurt and carry pain today. And point number one is in 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him and I called him out of Egypt. I want you to know and I want me to know today that I am, you are, loved. You are loved. You're loved because you're loved because you're loved. Nothing you've done will stop you being loved and nothing that you will do will make him love you more. We say that, don't we? We sing that. But do we really know that? Do we really know that? Now, I've got a question for you. Are you a hedgehog or a rhino? Has anyone ever asked you that question before? Oh, few of you have. Few. Okay, I'm not as completely crazy. Are you a hedgehog or a rhino? Let me explain what both of those mean in this context, and you can decide. Okay, so a rhino. What does a rhino do? Let me get my hedgehog up. When a rhino is hurt, they get a little bit rhino-like. So head down, horn up, 
and off they go, obviously plowing in quite fast to a situation, perhaps slightly angrily, probably with a lot of words, some of which are holy, maybe some not. Uh, And a rhino is somebody who is very kind of hot-headed, quite quick to respond to something. A hedgehog. What does a hedgehog do when it's hurt or afraid? Curls up. Well done. Hope you were all looking under your bonfires this week to check they weren't there. They curl up into a prickly little ball. Hedgehogs often retreat. Hedgehogs often become a little bit prickly when they're hurt. Hedgehogs often hide away. Are you a hedgehog or are you a rhino? You don't have to answer that. I'll leave you to guess which one I am. Don't tell me, though, because I might be embarrassed. Are you a hedgehog? Are you a rhino? Those of you who are married will often discover quite quickly that you're married to the opposite. Me and Rich, complete opposite in many ways, and especially in the hedgehog and rhino way, which makes your first argument jolly interesting. Fifteen years on, we can tell the tale that we've survived the first and the 25th argument as a hedgehog or a rhino. The interesting thing about hedgehogs and rhinos here is that it's really hard to feel God's love when you're a hedgehog or a rhino. It's really hard for us to experience God's love when we're so hurt that we prickle up and we don't want to come out because we feel afraid. It's really hard to feel God's love when you're being rhino-like, angry about something or diving straight in without thinking about it. When we feel hurt, often we revert to hedgehog behavior or rhino behavior. And some of us are really strange and have a mix of both. There's a few nods going on to that. Experiencing God's love is really hard for us when we hurt because actually our personalities kick in and we either want to hide from the one place where we'll find God's love Or we will come in arguing with God, angry. Or I don't want to hang out with God because I don't feel loved. Experiencing God's love when we are hurt is the one thing we all know we should be able to say. But it's really, really hard. And we have to recognize that. And we have to understand that. And the hedgehog and rhino thing has really helped me to understand that when I'm hurting, I need to watch for the behaviors that will stop me from knowing and experiencing God's love in my life. So, for example, we need to, if we're a hedgehog, begin to claim with our lips and our minds some truth. I am loved. You might not feel it. You might not know it in your knower, but you have to claim it. I am loved. I am loved. Every morning, new mercies. I am loved. Perhaps reading Psalm 139. And as you do, you come out from your prickly place and your gaze is raised slightly and then you can experience God's love. Sometimes we just have to claim things that are truth for us before we can unprickle a little bit. And we can begin to experience God's love. It doesn't mean God's love's not there for us. It just means that sometimes we can't experience it until we've claimed the truth of it. It's exactly the same for rhinos. Exactly the same for rhinos. We sometimes need to put the horn away. Stop being angry. Stop rushing into a situation. And at that point, we can experience God's love rather than just claiming God's love. 
Hold that thought as we think of number two. The next verse uh, talks about something that's quite hard. (laughs) But the more I called Israel, this is God's father's heart speaking, the further they went away from me, they retreated Well, they went to behaviors that weren't good. We can see that all the way through the Old Testament, can't we? People of God felt uh, leaderless when Moses was up the mountain. So where did they run? They ran to making a golden idol. Job, in his grief and pain, ran to some rather unwise friends. Samson ran to ladies who eventually were his downfall. Jonah ran so fast away from what God was telling him that God had to really, really, really catch his attention with a big fish to get him to come back, didn't he? Where do you run when you're hurt? When you feel hurt, when you feel pain, where do you run? If you're a hedgehog, you probably withdraw. You introvert. You, pro- you protect yourself. You might remove yourself from community, uh, places where you uh, see others. The rhinos amongst us are more likely to rush into things, lash out at each other. Or this is a classic rhino behavior. Become so busy that you can't deal with your own hurt. They might get stuck in outward addictions. Be honest with yourself for a moment. Where do you run? As I was preparing this, my first answer, good God answer, was I run to Jesus. And I do, don't hear me wrong. But often I run via a friend. <laughs> or I run via uh, hiding in my bed, or a glass of wine, or a trashy film. I eventually get there. But where do I run? Some verses for us. God's arms are, over, are always open. Let's have some verses. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will have rest for your souls. Come to me, come to me. Don't run, come to me. Or Psalm 46, this is a brilliant passage. God is your, sorry, the name of the Lord is like a fortified tower. We sang that earlier, didn't we? Which is why I brought that passage up. But the next one as well. The Lord is our refuge and our strength. Our ever-present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. Though the earth gives away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, God is our refuge and our strength. Hosea reminds us that we often run from the best place to be, God's open arms. We often hedgehog or rhino rather than running to the one who is safe, who is our refuge and the fortress that is our Father God. Verse 3, though, in Hosea, says this. It is I who taught Ephraim, another name for Israel, to walk, taking them by the arms, but they didn't realize it was I who healed them. Have you ever tried to teach a a toddler or a, a young child to walk? We tried to uh, get Sam to walk, uh, and uh, he was very wobbly for a very long time, and there was lots of bruises. He probably needed a hard hat. Uh, Amazingly, he survived. Uh, Getting a child to walk is quite hard, isn't it? Uh, And the Father God here is saying, I taught you to walk. I held your hand when you were a bit wobbly. I made sure that you could walk. God is the only one who can heal us. 
Heal us to the extent that we can say we are completely healed because the Father God who taught you to walk is the one who sees the deep pain, the one that understands what hurts, the one who has seen you from the moment you were even conceived. There are lots of good ways that God uses to heal us. He might use counseling. He might use medication. He might mean uh, that there's some kind of medical prevention that's needed. He might change circumstances or mindsets to bring healing. Ultimately, all of these come from God. He might use prayer ministry. God is the one who heals. Psalm 147. For some reason, my laptop is not happy. The Lord builds up Jerusalem and gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Lots of us around here have experienced that, experienced God's deep healing. But sometimes then the next bit of life comes along and it hurts again, doesn't it? We need to constantly come back to our Father God and to heal us. And for those of us who have experienced healing, then we know what this learning to walk thing again is. As God's healing comes and it takes away the pain or the hurt that we've been facing, God then puts us back on our feet and he says, now you have to live in a different way. You used to live under that pain and hurt. You used to live under that kind of soundtrack. That was the beat for your life. But now I've healed you. It's time to live in a different way. I'm going to teach you to walk again, just like that toddler. I'm going to put you back up. And you might get it wrong and fall over a few times. But instead of living under what that bully said or what that happened, I'm going to ask you to learn to walk away. And and, and one thing uh, that's really helped me think about this is an example of my own life. When I was um, about eight or nine, uh, I was really badly bullied at school. I was in a really small village school. And if you were bullied, that was pretty sucky, to be honest, with like 98 people in the whole school. And it was really, really hard. As a 27-year-old, God brought that back to me and said, you have lived like that victim for a jolly long time, Claire. It's time for some change. And I thought, when I was eight, did it really affect me that much? What it had done was it meant I used to go and hide At my school, we had uh, traditional bike sheds, and uh, I didn't do anything naughty behind them, but I did hide behind them regularly. They were the place, and we had one bike shed, and then a gap, and then another bike shed. And I used to go at playtime, when those bullies got too much, and go and hide in that place. It was in the middle. I used to hide there, and I'd hear the bell, and I'd think, do I have to come out? God, in his grace and love, when I was 27, reminded me that I still do that sometimes. That actually the experience that I had when I was eight or nine told me I needed to hide when times got tough, when I felt hurt, when I felt pain, and that that wasn't God's best for me at all. And he showed me a picture of him coming in between those bike sheds, holding my hand and taking me out, not when the bell rang, but in the middle of playtime, which would have been petrifying for me, age eight or nine. And he showed me that he was with me right in that moment and that he was with me as a 27-year-old girl then. That changed how I coped with conflict. That changed how I coped with people saying things about me. That changed how I felt when I was hurt. But a few months later, somebody said something to me that hurt a little bit. What was my temptation to do? It was tempting to run away and hide 
But God in his grace had put a few people around me, knew the story, and said, Claire, it's not time to hide now. You're living to a different tune. You're living in healing. God is teaching you to walk in a different way, a way of freedom, a way where you know your love, where you don't have to hide anymore. That's changed me so much. And I'm so grateful for God being able to see the beginning and the end because he heals us along the way. Does that make sense? Your Father God teaches you how to walk. He holds your hand. He picks you up when you fall flat on your face. He helps us to live in freedom and out our healing. Still have to watch sometimes that I'm not hiding. So if you see me hiding in my office, come and knock on the door and tell me, don't be so stupid. In fact, don't. No, this could go really wrong. I won't get any work done. No. Do I have to watch myself even now that I'm continuing to walk, not from a place of pain, but from the place that God has healed me. And my last... Uh, I guess, thought, therefore, about that, is this last verse, which uses a funny little phrase. Hosea 11, verse 4. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their their neck, and I bent down to feed them. When we're hurting, when we're waiting for God to heal us or to comfort us, when we're battling with pain, whatever that pain is, We know God will help us. We know God loves us. It's sometimes a no rather than a feel. We know that he'll lift burdens from us. And do you know how he often does it? He does it with that little phrase, through human kindness. Started our talk uh, to remind us a number of things that I'd seen over the sabbatical about our family, about our family here at Burlington. God uses each of us to be the Father's hands and feet. God uses each of us to help somebody else stop being a rhino or a hedgehog and come out and experience the Father's love. God uses each of us through human kindness, whether that's a meal, taking someone out for coffee, dropping flowers around, praying for them, traveling with them, going to an appointment, whatever it is for that situation. God says... When you're hurting, I'm going to lead you with cords of human kindness. I'm going to place people around you who are going to travel this hard journey with you. So we need to pray for each other. We need to encourage each other to be those hands and feet, to be human kindness in whatever way we can. We need to be a church community that goes the extra step when we see someone hurting I see that in so many places around this church and it thrills me. But sometimes we all get it wrong as well. We miss something. Together as family, let us do as God asks us to be those cords of human kindness. Just think though, back about the rhino and hedgehog. If we can't experience God's love when we're in rhino or hedgehog state, it's very hard to experience somebody else's love When you're in a rhino or hedgehog state, it doesn't matter how many bunches of flowers someone drops around. If you're a hedgehog, you really don't want any more flowers because you're hedgehogging. Or if you're a rhino and someone offers to do something, you might snap at them because you think, oh, what's the point in that? I'm hurting. We need to really watch how we respond to one another when offers of love 
are coming in, but also the other way around. If you're a hedgehog and you're in a hedgehog state and you're offering to help someone else who's in a hedgehog state, two hedgehogs are not going to end up well, are they? Sometimes experiencing the love of God and the love of others is as hard as hugging a hedgehog. We need to be gracious to one another. We need to understand the heart that we are serving one another with. And we need to love one another so that the hedgehogs can come out of a prickly state, experience the love of God for themselves and the love of each other. The rhinos can find a place also where they can experience God's love. My final verse uh, is from Corinthians. And the Corinthian church certainly knew what it meant to uh, experience hardship, to experience pain, but also to try and work out how, as a community, they could heal and travel together. It wasn't known for its uh, peace as a, as a community. There was lots of hardships they faced. <clears throat> and so Paul writes this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. Isn't that what that passage in Hosea is around? A God who is a God of compassion. The God of comfort... Again, what the Isaiah passage is around. Who comforts us in our troubles. And here's the important bit. So that we can, what? Comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Let's be that community who first and foremost allow the love of God to shape us, to heal us, to teach us to walk again. And then let's do that last bit. Comforting the others with the comfort we've received from God. Let's pray together. What is God saying to you right now as you've thought back over what I've said, as you've heard passages of comfort, as you've realized that you have a God who loves you? What's God saying to you right now? Can you hear the Father's loving whisper that says, I've taught you how to walk. I've watched over you. I have bring healing, even though sometimes you don't see it. I've loved you and I've called you. Can you hear the Father's whisper right now? And as we move to respond in song in a few moments, as we perhaps raise our gaze to see the loving, comforting, grace-filled Father that we have, I'd love us to respond by using the cards that I placed in the pews earlier. If you have a quick look, they should be there. They say, who cares on them? You just get a few more. And these have been given out around Ipswich, Uh, within church communities over this autumn. There are a way for us to respond together about what really hurts and bringing it to the God who comforts us. And there's a space on there for you to write the answer to the question, what hurts you most? You'll see it's anonymous. You don't have to put your name on it in any way. Uh, You're really not encouraging you to fill in whether you're a boy or a girl or any of that. You don't have to. But it just gives you a space to write down before God, what hurts? What hurts? For hedgehogs, that's the first way of raising your gaze to God and saying, I'm coming out of myself and sharing with you, God, that this, this hurts. I know you know this hurts, but this hurts. If you're a rhino, it might, it might be your way of just stopping and, and recognizing your behavior and saying, no, I want, to, I want to raise my gaze to God. This hurts. This hurts. So using the pen... Why don't you just for a moment write it down? When you've done that, put the card on your hand like this and we're going to pray together.
Lord, I bring this hurt to you. These words I've written, you know what they really mean for me. You have seen the pain. You have known the tears that I've cried. You have loved me through the pain I've experienced, even though I may not have seen it or experienced it. We know we have a God who loves us and who calls us by name. Father God, I give you this pain right now. Before you, I ask that you take this heavy burden and that you bring healing, that you bring your healing, that you bring your peace, that you bring your sense of purpose to me. Lord, I'm trusting you that you will do something in me that brings deep healing to this pain. And as I raise my gaze to you, Lord, help me glimpse who you really are, the God of comfort, the God of grace, the God who loves me, and the God who can do immeasurably more in me as well as through me. And Lord, as I recognize my own pain, I also pray for those that I'm traveling with at this time, those who may be carrying pain of loss, those who may be carrying pain uh, brought up by this weekend as we remember. I pray for those that I know who are struggling, both within our church family, but also in our world. God of love, pour your healing in this place, we pray. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called him. But the more I called Israel, they went further away. But it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. It was I who healed them. It was I who led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck. I bent down to feed them. Lord, we claim these words to be true for our own lives. And we ask that as we worship now, you will bend down and feed us with all that we need. Will you stand with me for a moment? I'm going to sing King of Kings, Majesty. God of heaven living in me. And as we do, why don't we just ask God's spirit to come, be in our lives. And if you would like to, the ministry team tomorrow are meeting to pray together. And if you would like to, why don't you bring your prayer to the front? You don't need your name on it. We don't need to know who it is. But we'd like to pray for you tomorrow as we meet. So why don't you bring your paper, put it in the front. We'll take it away. We're going to pray over every single one of them, praying for every person represented and then we'll get rid of them. We're not going to give them to anyone. We're going to get rid of them all. So we'd love to pray for you tomorrow. As God continues to bring healing into us as a community, into us as individuals, it's a way of us praying together for you guys. So let's sing together and let's uh, bring your prayers to the front. <laughs>